With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Vistage podcast series. I'm Dave Nelson, a Vistage member since 2003, part of CEO Group 676 in Pittsburgh, and your podcast host. It's my great pleasure to highlight extraordinary leaders with this series. Today, I'm joined by Joe Francisco. Hey, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks, to be, thanks for inviting me. We're going to be talking about product innovation, broadening the market, uh, building a direct-to-consumer e-commerce brand, and transition, transitioning that brand from solely a B2C brand into a multi-channel brand. So really interesting topics for so many business people out there. Uh, Joe, when did you when did you join Vistage? I joined Vistage after uh, some significant prodding by an old mentor of mine about ten months ago. Well, welcome. It's a wonderful organization. I run a software company, and boy, it's uh, actually my third company that I've been running uh, within Vistage. I've uh, uh, sold and, and so on some venture funded companies. It's just uh, it's a great way to take your business to the next level. So, I Joe, couldn't agree more. Yeah, your company is uh, Metalita, and I've heard it described as the Ralph Lauren of lab coats and scrubs for the doctor-nurse community. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure, Dave. So what we did is we took the traditional ubiquitous lab coat and scrub set that really hadn't seen any innovation in decades and improved it in every conceivable way. From product, uh, at the product level, we changed the yarn systems using performance fabrics. We changed the fit. Uh, we designed the, uh, the lab coats to fit like blazers for men and women. We designed the scrubs to fit like chinos and polo shirts versus, you know, baggy, uh, ubiquitous, pajama-like products. And, uh, you know, what we, we've done is really elevated that uniform uh, for uh, physicians, clinicians, healthcare professionals to make it more akin to a suit, uh, less of a ubiquitous uniform. So that should be um, just an overt challenge to anyone who says, I'm in a commodity business and I can't differentiate my services because I would have thought that of all the, the, the products that would have been um, in that category, you know, lab coats and scrubs, we've all seen those. They haven't changed forever. They haven't. Ever, you know, the, the market had taken a red ocean a philosophy and really just tried to drive the price down and, and nothing had changed and our founder, my wife, is a clinician who worked level one trauma for 10 years and just loathed what she wore to work every day and wanted something better and knew her colleagues wanted something better. We approached it with a blue ocean strategy and just designed, went out and designed the very best product we could, irrespective of price, and then also disrupted the market by, instead of going to the traditional distribution channel, we went direct to consumer, um, going e-commerce, going straight to the doctors, and that's what's really propelled our growth. We've really flipped the industry on its head. Uh, for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with the book Blue Ocean Strategy, what Joe's referring to is, you know, you can be in the red ocean and 
everybody's uh, beating the heck out of each other, bloodying each other up, driving the you know the margins to the bottom. Or you can go where the competition is, isn't. And that's your classic blue ocean strategy, and it sounds like you did that. How did you think? I mean, it must have been in the past that there was a buyer in the hospital that bought all these things and. How did you think about going to direct to consumer? I mean, I, I'm not even sure that would work. Sure. Um, well, that is true, and there still are buyers today um, in hospitals making purchasing decisions. However, we had a keen insight into the industry again as our founder being our target market, and we knew that physician preference drove so much of the purchasing decisions. And if we could reach the physicians directly and provide them a product that was of a high quality that was validated when they received it, price wouldn't be an issue. These physicians and clinicians are, are really accustomed to quality in every aspect of their life. They just weren't getting anything in their, in their lab coats and scrubs. So when we launched the business, we attended you know, trade shows, went to medical meetings. They found the product. They fell in love with it. And what's happened is that physician preference and that groundswell is what's it's what's changing this, those purchasing decisions in the large institutions. The physicians demand it. The purchasing agents call us up and place orders. Wow. You know, I had never thought that you could do that with a product like what you're dealing with. I mean, in some ways, what you described is exactly what Apple did to BlackBerry. BlackBerry, you know, they found the IT guys who loved all the security features and all of that kind of stuff, and they really – they played towards that market, and Apple went direct to consumer, and suddenly it's BYOD, bring your own device. Absolutely. So I, I get how that worked with Apple, but what you're really pointing out is probably many, many businesses could do this. Well, and I think it's the power of e-commerce, and it's the power of our, our digital landscape today. We can reach so many physicians, so many eyes with a really intelligent digital marketing strategy that we, you couldn't do 10 years ago. And that allows us to really enact change at a, at a broader level at a very economical way, in a very economical way, and really drive change. All right, so I'll put the challenge out to anyone listening to this podcast. If there is somebody that is the end user of your product that is different from the buyer of your product, uh, Joe has just outlined exactly how you go after this. Um, were you like an e-commerce expert or I mean how did you master that part of it because the web is a complicated place it has its own challenge with you know keywords and compelling websites and landing pages and all that so tell us a little bit about that part of your journey. Dave that journey uh, will never end that, um, and I was far from an expert or a guru by any stretch when uh, when we launched this business we knew nothing we didn't know anything about SEO, SEM, digital marketing. We didn't know how to code. We didn't know how to do a single solitary thing with respect to e-commerce. We just knew that that was the direction we had to go. We knew that Amazon had launched five years ago, and look at where it was, or, or I don't know, maybe 10 years prior, look at where it was. And we just knew our own buying habits, and we just knew we had to be in e-commerce. We essentially launched Metalita and launched three totally different companies all at one time. We hadn't even realized it yet, but we launched a manufacturing company, we launched an e-commerce company, and we launched an embroidery and fulfillment company. And uh, you know, we didn't know anything about any of those things. The journey has taught us how to do it. Uh, trial and error, um, measure, re react, change, respond. We just, that's the, we just learned the hard, honestly learned the hard way early on, 
um, and now have a pretty good grasp on these things. All right. Well, again, that's another challenge to our podcast listeners because, uh, look, you, you said you didn't have these skills. You jumped in. You were able to acquire them. I think there's so many folks that are out there saying, well, I, I don't do e-commerce. I don't do search engine optimization. Um, were there any special resources that you tapped, or was there a, a, a vendor, or what, what was it that sort of got you from, like, nowhere, your starting point, to where you are today? You know, I really think it was the, our creative, our team's continual effort uh, and, and, and commitment to learning. We just want to read and consume as much information as possible. Early on on the SEO front, we, uh, we hired somebody, but we became an expert in it as quickly as possible and challenged them on as much as we can, could, met with them in person as much as we could. Uh, even though we're an e-commerce company, we still – uh, make sure that we do as many in-person meetings uh, uh, with all of our vendors as possible. Uh, we, we just kind of, even though we, we were going after the business in a, in a very new and innovative manner, we used very old-school principles of uh, face-to-face uh, connectivity and communication to really learn and, and drive the business forward. What a, what a great story. And, of course, being in Vistage is a key part of that uh, you know, learning, you get exposed to so many experts and things like search engine optimization and social media and digital marketing and so on. What was the best business advice that you've ever received? Oh, I think I've gotten a, a, a lot of amazing advice. Um, I think the best advice I've ever received is high, it really is it's the age-old adium of hire for your weaknesses and, and really try to focus in on your strength um, instead of trying to learn things that you're not, you aren't naturally gifted at, hire that person, hire the very best person you can. Um, and that has paid off for us in, in dividends uh, and that we're still reaping, for sure. How many people are part of uh, Metalita today? We're a very small organization. I'm very proud to say we're 15 people. Um, and we're able to scale by utilizing technology and innovation and uh, we're able to continually do more and more business with uh, the same amount of people. We've been we've been 11 for three years, and now we're 15, and we're growing, uh, you know, consistently every year, every quarter, every month. Uh, but our our dedication to innovation and technology allows us to scale without necessarily add, adding bodies. Well, I'm really glad I asked that question because it's so cool. Your, your story viewed against the perspective of 15 people versus 150 is even that much more inspirational. Uh, what do you find hardest about being a leader? Patience. Um, finding the patience uh, in a business of our size, you know, to, uh, to execute um, slowly, methodically. Uh, I want to run quickly and push our team to uh, – to develop and, and uh, evolve faster. But I think as a leader, you have to learn to really recognize um, the organization's really max capacity and just plan for it and take your steps slowly, methodically, um, and, and just really be patient. Uh, secondly, I would say is um, really developing the, my, my listening skills um, and just Listening and asking questions more than just driving uh, a vision is, is really, really uh, helped and is, a, is an ongoing challenge. You know, patience on the other end of it can, can be a liability if you're too patient or maybe complacent. Uh, 
So um, sounds like you're you're using that impatience really to drive the organization to to innovate and to grow. That's the goal. Innovation and growth is is key to our core values. Um, you know, innovation in every aspect of our business uh, and. Uh, and just being a growth-centric organization is 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 what we're focused on. If you don't mind me going just slightly off the script of what we said we'd talk about, are there any particular um, ways that you you get ideas that you you know help the organization be more innovative, or figure out which of so many ideas you really should focus on? Sure, I, I think honest. This is not a plug for Vistage, but I think Vistage has really helped me. Um, narrow my focus when it comes to ideas um, and uh, you know doing doing uh, exercises like uh, reflections and outlooks and uh, you know one of my key uh, goals for this year is not to chase the, the shiny object is what I call it so many opportunities out there um, but we want to stay really focused on building our core business um, growing those and then growing those areas that we've really identified that can really uh, propel and accelerate our growth. Um, so staying really focused with Vistage um, is helping us um, really really add these additional channels that we've kind of talked about. But the inspiration just comes from, from reading, reading as much as possible, uh, following hashtags like innovation and, um, and technology, and watching companies like Apple and Tesla disrupt the marketplace, Uber, disrupt the marketplace in, in their thought process. I love Uber, <laughs> and I, mean, I love Apple. <laughs> I, I love, I, I'm in Vegas right now, and there's no Uber, and I'm like, I'm a lost puppy. I just don't know what to do, and I, I just love innovative companies, and we're really trying to, at, at a, you know, obviously a much smaller scale, um, uh, mimic that type of thought process. Amazing. By the way, here's my theory on where Uber's going. I think they have a much longer game plan uh, I was noticing a, a Google self-driving vehicle last time next to me on the interstate, 65 miles an hour going north on I-280. And suddenly I thought, you know, if you put Uber with these self-driving vehicles, wow, we wouldn't have to own vehicles anymore. Yeah. We could just press the button on the app, something shows up, drops us off, because Uber already, it's so frictionless, no credit cards, no tipping. I couldn't um, agree with you more. I think that whole industry is going to, it, in, will in our lifetime, see a, a dramatic change and and car ownership and the way we utilize cars. Yeah, and that's going to disrupt so many industries. I mean, not just the rental car agencies like Hertz, which I've been using less and less in a world of Uber, but car dealers and delivery truck drivers and, you know. The entire pizza. infrastructure. Yeah, you know. exactly. It's, it's um, Well, it's certainly one of the big coming changes. Did you have a great mentor along the way? And, and uh, if so, what was it or why was it about that person? I did have a great mentor early in my career. Uh, I was a salesperson in Los Angeles right out of college, a sales rep in Los Angeles. And my boss at the time asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I wanted his job someday. And, uh, you know, I was a young kid in one of the nation's largest territories for the company. And he taught me, and he really focused me on not just being a great salesperson, which um, talking and Selling is kind of a natural tool of mine, but really learning to sell through uh, data and, and analytics and, and having more of a consultative sale and really digging into the numbers behind everything. And he, what he did for me was teach me that skill um, 
and also allow me a long leash to make a lot of mistakes early in my career. Promoted me early in my career, also gave me more uh, ability to make mistakes um, and and learn from those mistakes. Um, and I think that philosophy guides me today with, with all my team. Give them a long leash, um, you know, be there to support, but let people make their own decisions and learn from their own mistakes. Even, even when you see them coming, I think it's so imperative to, to, to just enable and empower uh, talented people. And uh, that's a philosophy that uh, is, is what we try to do at Metalita with our, with our entire team is enable and empower. And that's what uh, my, one of my earliest mentors did for me. Fabulous advice. Do you have a particular mantra these days? I do, um, and it's it's kind of developed over over the last few years, um, and that's the the idea of constant improvement, one percent a day. That's what we talk about. How can you um, the guys you know doing fulfillment and embroidery improve their process one percent a day? How can we improve our marketing our organization one percent a day? That whole concept of just incremental improvement every day really adds up and, and compounds and is powerful at the end of the year. And when, especially if you get a team of, you know, a small team together to do that, uh, and, and it obviously multiplies at larger scale, but it's pretty easy to do, and it's pretty easy to get people to buy into, you know, let's just improve 1% a day. And uh, it really, really pays dividends. Yeah, well, with a little bit of compounding, it's a lot less than 100 days, and you've uh, doubled your... <laughs> Absolutely. Productivity or what have you. So that's that's fabulous. Well, Joe, I get the sense we could probably talk for um, hours and hours. Uh, what a great story! I'm so glad that uh, I could speak with you on this podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Well, folks, if you're interested in learning more about Vistage, please check out Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. It's a great way to take your business to the next level. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vistage podcast series. I hope it helps you inspire and accelerate your business. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.